from Darkly Lit. Tonight, we sit in a corner of a small diner, drinking hot cocoa and coffee and singing carolers, waiting for either the snowstorm to stop or aliens to steal our organs, whichever comes first. I am your host, Kayla King. I'm joined by my other two co-hosts. We have Sade. Happy holidays! <laughs> and we have David. My Christmas gift is a spoiler. The dog doesn't die in this one. Yay! Yay! <laughs> We read a Christmas-themed uh, novella, horror. Uh, I don't think we actually ever read a book that was actually had a Christmas theme. Oh, uh, yeah. This is the first time we've had one that's, I think, set on Christmas itself. So. Yeah. Is it really? There has to be another one. Maybe there is, I mean, but... unless we count some of the stuff in Imaginary Friend, but... Uh, or Demon Theory. Demon Theory was had Christmas. Oh, yeah. Demon Theory had Christmas in it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Anyway, so we just finished reading The Visitor by uh, Sergio Gomez. I, I am curious to hear what you guys thought of it, because... And I did see uh, a couple people in our Discord seem to like it. But, but, but before we do that, why don't we give the summary? Oh, right! The summary! That's my job today! <laughs> yep! <laughs> Thank you for forgot. taking on this task. Um, all right. We might have added some peppermint schnapps into that hot coke. <laughs> we gotta survive this blizzard somehow. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Visitor by Sergio Gomez. Um, so it starts with, we've got a quaint little diner. We got Sal, who owns the diner. Uh, it's Christmas Day. He's got a couple customers in there, two of them being... Um, we got Ichigo and Kaito uh, Takahashi, who are regulars that he sees every year. They have a cabin nearby. They like to go for a hike. And this year, um, there's a snowstorm that's rolled in. And so they cut their hike short. And they're, so they're here at the diner to get their, their fix before they head to their cabin. There is also a uh, comedian poet guy whose name I've already forgotten. But that's okay. He's the first one to die. Um <laughs> Uh, I think it's Moshe Janowski. It's hard to pronounce. It's spelled M-O-S-H-E, so. I'd say Moshe. Moshe. That's how I'd read it. Let's go with Moshe. And so we have Moshe, uh, who's there. Um, and then we also, so we get introduced to them. They seem lovely, great. Enjoying their time. Um, then we have Santiago, who is a truck driver. Um, and he is trying to get home. Uh, before Christmas is over, so he can at least tuck his kids in. Um, but he doesn't make it because of the storm. He pulls over and he heads over. He he pulls over and happens like great. Well, at least there's the diner. Then we cut to Xavier, who uh, I believe is a student going home for the holidays. Yes, I've already forgotten. But he's got best boy Norm in the car with him, his pupper. Best boy, Norm. <laughs> their ice skids off the, the road. He loses control of his car on the ice, crashes, but he's okay. Pupper's okay. Pupper is okay. And Pupper will stay okay. Fortunately, he crashes near uh, 
where Santiago is, and together they go head over to the diner. Everyone's in the diner, a little concerned about the storm, and they're kind of getting to know each other. The power goes out. Mo- Moshe, Mosh, whatever his name was, gets scared and leaves. I forget what scared them. Something in the basement, right? They heard a noise in the basement. <laughs> yep. Guys, what, how's the summary? What's the summary part? What's this part of the I, summary? I can, can you tell me so I can give the summary? Uh, I can I can interject here. Uh, Sal, when the power goes out, goes to investigate the basement. And oh, while yes. he's down there, they hear him scream. And Moshe goes, fuck this. I'm out of here. Yes, he's like, peace out. I'll let Saint say that then, and I can cut David. No, keep that. No, keep that. (laughs) It's totally fine with David being like, Saint, you're fucking up. (laughs) I love you. No, I appreciate it very much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Sal goes down. They hear the noise. Mosh is like, I'm fucking out of here. He goes to his car while everyone else stays to be like, okay, we got to go see what was down I don't know which came first, but Mosh goes out to his car and gets killed by an alien dog. <laughs> uh, and everyone else, I believe Santiago and Xavier are like, okay, no, not Santiago and Xavier. Yeah, no, it is Santiago and Kaito. Yep, it, uh, it is Santiago and Kaito. Santiago and Kaito are like, okay, let's go see if Sal needs help, what happened down there. Um, but it's Switch Black. And then, then it cuts to Mosh getting killed, and we get back to the inside of the diner. Uh, Santiago's dead. Something stabbed him. And I was very upset by this, but we'll get into that. So Santiago bleeds out. Meanwhile, Xavier and Kaito have to deal, and Ichigo, deal with the, the dog, the alien dog, but they kill it. And then they're like, oh no, Norm is upstairs, but he's probably dead already. But he's okay. Pupper is okay. Do not forget that Pupper is okay. Yes. I already gave the big spoiler. Yes. Pupper does not die. But I don't want anybody forgetting. <laughs> they realize that the dog, this weird alien dog that they've managed to kill, was sent down to lure them, to get them out, to come out of the basement and out into the open. Um, and they're like, we gotta make a run for it. So they decide to try and run to the cabin that Ichigo and Kaito have. Uh, And while they're trying to escape, there is an alien on the roof with a rifle and he shoots out Kaito's brain. Uh, And then he continues to pursue Xavier and Ichiko. But there's some rough tumbles and like fightings and one of them gets the rifle. And honestly, I was kind of just bored and skimming at this point, but they (laughs) kill the alien and it's Xavier and Ichiko that survive. And then they find Norm. Yay, the end. Yeah. <laughs> Did I miss? I know I had to miss something there at the no, end. No, the, the thing is, you basically summed it up, I think, pretty well. Because, if I may. Go, go ahead. For it. This is popcorn. Yeah. yeah. Like, parts of it were fun, but there is nothing remotely deep about this. It's kind of exactly what you get on the package. It's, I mean, you kind of feel like you're setting up for something a little bigger. And then it just becomes this, oh, and it turns out it was an alien. And uh, so, and then the people you barely knew, they start getting killed off. And there's lots of action and there's lots of kind of neat ideas. But ultimately, there's not a ton of substance to it. It's just it's just kind of a what would happen on Christmas if the power went out in a di- diner. And also there's an alien with an alien dog with a, like a zipper head. When I came into this, I shouldn't have done this. This is my fault. I came in with an expectation. And I think the reason why is because there's a similar story called Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up from the Twilight Zone? 
and it has a similar premise. A bunch of people get stuck in a diner during a snowstorm, and this leads to possibly one of them thinking, okay, one of you is an alien, who who is an alien? And I honestly thought that's what was going to happen, that, like, there was going to be a murder or something, and then they're like, okay, was it one of you? And then it, this leads into it's something more like aliens or the idea that it is aliens and there would be a whole thing about paranoia. I, my brain immediately thought that going into this. And I shouldn't have had that expectation. But the way it builds up kind of feels like that because you get to know each of the characters. You get to understand their personalities and such. But really, it's just a alien comes in attack sort of story. It's just, oh shit, bad thing happens. And I, I was thinking it was going to be a mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not. <laughs> so when it when I was like, wait, it, we're gonna okay. I guess we see the alien immediately. Oh, it really is an alien. Uh, oh, it, we're we know immediately it's an alien. I guess it's a. It would be described more as a thriller. It's kind of just like an or action horror. Yeah, it's action horror. It's not action. It's not a mystery. But my brain immediately thought that mm. going into it, and mm-hmm. as a, so when I was reading it, there was that kind of disappointment in my head. But by the end of it, I was like, oh, okay, you know what? If I, When I st- finally step back, I'm like, for what it is, it's fine. There's a couple of issues I do have with it as a story as a whole. Yeah, I have a couple of issues as well. L- l- we could get into that. So, uh, let's talk about what we liked. Let's start with that at least. Or should we Or should we talk about what we didn't like first? I say we start with the things we didn't like, so that way we can end on some positive notes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. One thing I did not like, was the fact that they immediately assumed alien when they saw this monster. And they're like, oh yeah, it's an alien. And absolutely upset, uh, like accepted that. There was no pushback or anything. There's not really a twist. It's just like, oh, and an alien. And it turned out alien. And also additional alien with all the tropes of alien. Yeah, there is no twist to this. And I, I accept that. But I think it's the fact that Mrs. Takahashi who says, oh, it's an alien. They're like, okay, it's an alien. And then it was an like, alien. W- but like, why would you assume that? Why would that be your first thought? And why would you accept that immediately? This is not a world that, I mean, unless this is a world where like, yeah, aliens are a thing. It's not though. At least there was no notion of that. Mm-hmm. That was that was one thing I wasn't too happy about. I, w- I wish that that it could have been more of a surprise. Another thing... That I was also a little iffy about too was we get a point where we see like one section where we see the alien's point of view, and I'm like, why did I didn't I don't think we needed that. That might be my biggest yeah. problem with it. That yeah. took me right out of the story. It took away any sense of mystery or menace that could come with it because now you're getting its perspective, and I and and everything about it is just almost too human. This the novel could have gone on without describing the alien at all. For that perspective, and I think that would have helped it a lot, honestly. Like, we get what it looks like, but we don't need to get its perspective. That removes the alienness, anything alien about it, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I... It feels like something out of a B-movie. You know, it feels like one of those characters from this island Earth who comes and goes, Yes, I'm from the planet Metaluna. You can tell because I have a huge forehead. We need <laughs> you because of the toxic radiation on our planet. And, you know, that that kind of thing. Yeah, no, David's 100% right. Like, getting that perspective from the alien made it t- too recognizable as something that we can understand. 
it's perspective of like it's like oh, this is another Monday, and so like I'm like, oh, this is boring to you, then it's boring to me, Mister Alien. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's um, like if M Bison was an alien. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it was Tuesday. Yeah, it's this is just a B horror movie, and like for me, that was really upsetting. And I think part of it is because I'll watch some like garbage horror movies. Usually mm-hmm. with friends is the only time I'll watch them, but I used to watch them a lot on my own, and sometimes I will just be like, I just need some nonsense on TV to, like, veg out to. Mm-hmm. But if I'm gonna sit down and read, I want to at least think a bit about what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, when I realized it was Alien, I was like, okay, well, the cold might be fun. I love Aliens. And it started out with, like, introducing all these characters and I was like, okay, I want to learn a little bit up more. I want to see how the dynamic shifts and like who does, what does, you know, what happens between them all uh, when this, you know, unknowable, ununderstandable threat is suddenly there. Cause I always love those stories where like, it's, it's about the survivors. It's about the dynamic between the survivors. It's about like the mm-hmm. moral, you know, conflicts that they face. I love those stories. That's what I thought this was going to be. But it was not that at all. And then I was like, Santiago, you know, I do appreciate the representation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then you go and kill my man Santiago and he just wanted to get home, have a delicious bowl of pozole with his familia. And like, why you do that? I think Santiago (laughs) was the character I was most interested in being. They set him up that way. He got yeah. the most kind of fleshing out of a lot of them. And then suddenly he's just bleeding out. He yeah. got stabbed off screen. And yeah, like... like and then he just dead. And I'm like, why would... You? They kind of try to bring it back at the end with the, the FaceTime call. And I'm like, there's this like ambiguity about how Xavier answers the FaceTime. And I kind of went, why does it matter? Why is this a dilemma? I don't know. I didn't feel like... There didn't feel like there were any stakes. No, no. not really. Another thing, too, is we built up that there's this horrendous snowstorm and they can't leave. And I honestly thought the whole thing would take place in the diner or at the diner, which then that what makes it scary is that they're trapped with this horrible alien creature. No, they they leave and they go out into the snowstorm. And I'm like, then why have a snowstorm then? I guess it's to keep everyone here, but then what's the point? It's the story is just not as tight as it could be. It going into the aliens' perspective, it was unnecessary. It, and now, and if you would remove it, it actually would enhance the story because, like, I think we could figure out based off context clues, this alien is harvesting organs. We we saw a dead guy whose bo- like body parts were taken out. Like, I think we can assume that. I could. You could also imagine like the characters after they deal with the alien find the futuristic or 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 sci-fi black case where he keeps all the organs the alien and later they can still see the ufo come to pick up the body and that's all you'd need to to spell out this is an extraterrestrial person in Mm -hmm. uh, being without having to go to and then the visitor thought this pacing was kind of all over the place in that sense too yeah one of the things i just need to see it as is like say said it's a b horror movie in a book form Mm mm-hmm uh, I mean, the last thing is, I just felt like, even earlier in the story, because things happened so fast, mm-hmm. I know it's a novella, and I get that, but there was, like, really no tension. I did not feel tension for anybody. You know what? This book needed to be longer. This is a book yeah. that absolutely needed to be longer. Longer, and, yeah, uh, again, the pacing, it was, 
too quick. We didn't get to spend enough time with anybody to really get perspective on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's unfortunate because you should have an inkling, uh, you know, I think the, at the end of the, the story, by the end of the story, the only two survivors I cared about were Ichiko and Norm. Yeah. Z- <laughs> Norm. Xavier's, Xavier's just kind of there. He just kind of, he felt, he felt kind of blank slate-ish to me, you know? Yeah. That might be intentional to put your, like, be the character that you kind of put yourself into I don't, as a reader. Yeah, but I don't like those kind of characters in, in stories much anymore anyway, because I like when there's a character that is defined. There's not a lot defining Xavier, except that he has a dog who is best boy. Okay, can we, that's one of the good things. Yes. Okay, if, so. If we want to segue into good things. So. The beginning of the story I really like. I really enjoyed this buildup. I yeah. really enjoy how these characters all come together. Yeah, it's I really, a good setup. I really enjoyed that there's a, a, like a bit of camaraderie comes about because they're basically trapped in a diner mm-hmm. on Christmas and they're just in an unfortunate situation waiting yeah. for the snowstorm to calm down. Yeah. And it, it does build that up very well. I think also the actually Moshe's death is very fitting. Like he should, he is exactly the person that should die first. And <laughs> his his was the most. His was the death that I thought was the most earned in terms yes. of like if you're going based on the B movie tropes. I was like, oh, the moment he left the rest the diner, I'm like, he's gonna die. Yeah, and we're gonna see it, and it's gonna help set things up. Yes, I think Sal also is a was a good choice for like the first kill. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this he his death is the one that sets everything up off that's a very fitting choice as well i kind of disagree with sal really because it's like it's his diner like he should have been the one to know like oh hey uh you know we can uh, someone can hide in here or like if you know if we rewire this because i got some like faulty electricity we can maybe catch it and electrocute it you know like you know if they're going to be surviving in the diner or something i wanted sal to play a bigger role because i wanted him to open his christmas presents that he was so excited for yeah i was literally about to say that i because again some characters got better set up than others sal and the christmas presents i thought was going to be significant i wanted to see that because i think even if it wasn't as significant like there was like a MacGuffin in the presents that's not what I was hoping for what I wanted to see was how Sal reacted to the presence I wanted to know what Sal got I want to see Sal as this human character because they already started to build him up for that there's varying levels of detail that we get about certain characters and again I think the ones who get the most detail the ones that I was most interested in were Sal and uh, Santiago yeah yes Santiago had really good character development I felt I, I think he was the character I liked the most and his death was so disappointing. Yeah. What really, really gets to me about those deaths being off screen, so quote, so and so, is that like, if you have a death off screen in a movie, you know, it's because you're just trying to save budget or something, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't want to waste budget killing off whatever characters. You, you want to save your really good kills for, the, you know, the ones that matter. So you want those on screen, send the other ones off screen or like in play. Or the off screen definitely leads to like a horrifying reveal. Right. Let's say. Right. Yeah. But when you're writing, give us that. Like what? there's no budget. I mean, unless they like, I don't think you're trying <laughs> to keep it under so many words, but like, like, I think if Sal had to die, you know, he sh- we should have seen it. If Santiago's gonna yeah. die, like, we, we should have seen these. Because we have introduced these characters, you're trying to make us care about them. So then let us 
mourn them and like you know suffer along with them we didn't get that so like that that bothers me a lot that it was just like and then santiago was bleeding on the floor yeah damn i understand what you guys mean because i kind of i do wish Sant or sal was able to open his presence and that did have a build-up but the fact that didn't happen is kind of sad but the reason why i was like oh no sal should be the first one to die is because yeah he does own the diner but in my brain, it's like, well, because he owns the diner and he knows everything, they lose that resource. And now they have to be like, oh, shit, how do we do this? We can't, we got to open up things and we got to figure out how to hide or, you know, if, if it was, if it was, a, if it was a different sort of story. Yeah, there was a lot of, yeah. missed, a lot of missed opportunity. Yeah. Really clever ways to handle it. So, but that's why I, I was thinking, you know what, if Sal died, that would lead to more issues to occur and i agree with you i'm not saying that he shouldn't have died first i'm just saying like wouldn't it been interesting though if someone maybe even after sal died someone opened his presence yeah just you know Mm -hmm. for reasons you never know maybe they're trying to find other resources maybe they're i don't know again that's not the novel we got this wasn't the way that the author penned it and I'm not trying to rag on the author because this is, you know. Well, it's a, it's a novella too, and right? It's, it's clearly some um, something that he wrote for. It, it seemed for more enjoyment than anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just think that, um, especially when he says, "I," he puts that author note at the end. Um, the dog lives. There, here's your Christmas present, dude. That felt like. I just, I was just like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Letting the dog live is like the bare minimum that you can do. (laughs) Well, I will say, at least uh, for me, that's a selling point, is that Norm was the goodest boy. Yes. Yes. Can't not love Norm. Norm is great. uh, I will say the one thing I did like, too, is I like the fact that the alien does wear a spacesuit. Yeah, I did like that. Because I'm like, you know... What an in, why hasn't that you been really done? I mean, yes, we've seen aliens in space boots and other things. We never really considered it when they come to Earth. Like how how do we know like like oxygen isn't toxicism? That would make sense. I I like that idea, and I like that also. That leads that's how he eventually dies. Is did you all see that coming? As yes. soon as they described, he had an air pack with a rubber hose. I'm like, that's going to get sliced through, and that's going to what ultimately mm-hmm. be what kills the alien. Yep, I saw that coming a mile away. I, I liked how the, the, you know, the hiking Japanese couple, mm-hmm. you know, who are just chilling out, end up becoming, like, two of the most competent, like, combative characters in the whole thing. I actually really like that they, Kaito's got a hunting knife on him, then it makes sense that he would do that. I liked how scrappy Ichiko was, as a, even after she'd been wounded several times. Like, mm-hmm. a, again, like I said, at the end, I cared about Ichiko and Norm the most, and so they both survived, and so I'm like, okay, that's good. I mean, those for me, those are those are the the positives for me about it. Yeah, I think for me, the positives. Cause I, there were some positives for sure. Just was really the characters. Yeah, um, I do wish like the whole the setting them up in the diner, getting a bit to know them and seeing like a little bit of their actions. I was enjoying that, um, and I do really appreciate like the diversity in the cast. Um, mm-hmm. and, like, the things with, like, Kaito and Ichiko, like, you know, becoming, like, the resourceful ones. Like, I wish we had heard a little bit about more, like, maybe while they're all stuck in the diner, they share some, like, life experience or some, like, crazy story of, like, how they met, you know? That would have, you know, given us a hint of, like, you know, how dependable they became later on in the story. 
The only one that really fell flat for me was Xavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just really likes his dog, which makes sense because Norm is such a good. We can boy. At, we can at least respect that. Man loves his dog. We'll respect that. He was willing to go up. He was willing to go back up into the diner just to save Norm. I will give him yeah. that. He, he yeah, man yeah. loves yeah. his dog, and he's a good he's a good dog owner. He takes good care of his dog. I honestly think he the reason he's created a little too blandly is because. Because and, and I, I I can't fault the author for this because this is a trick a lot of authors use is they do that for the reader to fill it in. I know you don't like it, but I'm just gonna accept that as is mm-hmm. that it, the Xavier is kind of a placeholder for the reader. That's, sure, hence why he doesn't have as much personality. But yeah, out of all the characters, I didn't find him as interesting. And I, all, I found the other characters a lot more defined. And I do appreciate that. I was able to tell, like, oh, who died? Who's going in to do this thing? Like, I could actually visualize them. Instead of be like, wait, which one was that guy? I, it was easy for me to identify the characters. Yeah. So, I mean, they're memorable. Yes. that. Yeah, I don't have a lot more to say about it, honestly. I think I've said what I wanted to say. For what it is, as a as a novella that's just trying to be a fun sort of like B-horror movie, it's fine. There's ways that could, this can, abs- I think this could be improved though. I don't regret reading it. Me neither. I feel like if I had watched this as a movie, I would have been like, okay, that was fun. I kind of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I would have preferred not to have read it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll be honest. It's, it's fine. Be honest. Yeah, understandable. I was like, man, maybe this just wasn't the book to read from this guy. Yeah, he's written other books. I went to his website. I was like, okay, maybe maybe this wasn't the right book to read. But then I saw like the first two books listed on there is Halloween Slaughter. And you've got like blood dripping text onto a like black and white house. And the book before that is Camp Slaughter. Blood dripping text dripping onto a black and white cabin. And I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> so he he's definitely a uh, B movie uh, style horror author. Yeah, which maybe is just apparently not for me. Maybe. But. Yeah, I'm looking at his website right now, but the, these novels are actually seem longer too. So maybe he takes a bit more time to develop them. You know what I mean? I, we've I mean we've discussed this before. Uh, um, some some books hit or miss. We'll, we'll always use Demon Theory versus. Um, Versus uh, the only good Indians, we we weren't as into demon theory, but the only good Indians was like probably the best book we read in 2021. Maybe there was another book in the uh, selection that was would have hit it with us, but I mean, I I'm sold enough that I I would be interested in seeing what else he's written maybe in the future. But right now, it'd be nice to step away and do something different for the next time. So, yeah. yeah. We do have a couple questions and comments. All right. So we got a uh, question and comment from uh, Dan Urkelbot666. Thank you, Dan. I like this one. It didn't bring much new to the table, but it was short and to the point and provides some good tension. My real complaint was some of the oversimplicity in the writing. There was some word repetition in parts that I found a little distracting. Creature is used a lot in one passage. <laughs> I, did no- I did notice that too. And then his question is, which one is your favorite character? Santiago. 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 Or Norm. Norm! That's right! No! Norm, the Border Collie is best boy. Favorite non-human character, Norm. (laughs) Much better than the alien. (laughs) (laughs) What if I I said it was the weird alien dog was my favorite character? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite character is the dog. Oh, you mean Norm? No, the alien dog. Zipperhead. 
Zipper head. That is a good design. Yeah, I I, yeah, yeah. It was very alien. I really did like the design of the alien dogs. I'm gonna name a dog Zipperhead now, <laughs> just without context. Would you have gone into the cellar or stayed up in the diner? I'd have stayed up in the diner. Yeah, safety in numbers. There's food up there. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess it depends on like you know, you don't want everyone rushing down into the diner because too many people is just gonna make the situation worse. Or down into the basement. And then uh, because it's the holiday season, he asks, "What's your favorite Christmas slash holiday song?" Oh, something sung by Elvis. That's the only Christmas <laughs> music I'll willingly put on. I like instrumental versions, usually. Um, yeah, of, of songs that have either a jazzy or like a Celtic quality to them, because then they sound either. More oh, classy or more, um, more like ancient Yuletide songs, you know? I actually really love the Nutcracker. I do too. Mm-hmm. Me three. I will leave that on repeat for like the whole month if I sometimes feel so inclined. Gig, would it be funny if we did a Darkly Lit and we just talked about the Nutcracker? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> There's a seven-headed mouse king in it. That's horrifying. It was never based off a book, unfortunately. There was a book, there was a book written i think after the fact there's been many books written after yeah the fact. no there was no, a book there was, there was a book it was like the nutcracker prince and the mouse king oh really yeah i, I think well, that was what the i think that's what the play the the musical or not the musical the ballet was based on interesting yeah you know i read a nutcracker book when i was a kid same <laughs> there is also this old like animated movie of the nutcracker that i watched a lot as a kid and it's on youtube oh wait a minute was it i mean there's a couple of them I'm almost curious that we, we might have watched the same one. Oh, we might man. need to compare notes because now I'm curious. We might need to just watch it together. That would be fun. That'd be great. Let's do that. I would love let's, that. Let's watch it. Let's watch the Nutcracker together. That'll be yeah. fun. Okay, I don't know if I've said it much on other podcasts, but I fucking I fucking love the Nutcracker. I think it's great. Oh, that is so crazy! Like I used to when I was like, yeah, I want to get married one day. I wanted the music to be the nut- like music from that. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> the whole first act of the Nutcracker. I love the music of that part in particular, like the yeah. march and the fight and the. It's also part of the reason why I love Princess Tutu so much, is because they use music from the Nutcracker. Nice. Yeah, I believe we never talked about this before. <laughs> Yeah, how it's never. We've known each other how long, and we're only just now. (laughs) Well, Nutcracker usually gets brought up during Christmas time. That's that's true. Unfortunately, we we don't get to see each other around Christmas time. We got a comment from and question from Bringer. Thank you, Bringer. He said, "I'm upset we don't get the reveal of what they bought, Sal. We all are." Yeah. There you go. I really enjoyed the characters. They all had depth to me, and then which you agree. And uh, he said, "I thought for a second Xavier was gonna Lego block rebuild the gun, but throwing the parts also works." Actually, that part was pretty funny, where he just picks up a, a gun cube and just hucks it at the alien's head. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah, that was believable. Like, what else are you gonna do? Yeah, it's, it just falls apart. Uh, just uh, yeah. <laughs> and some of the stuff about the aliens is actually pretty creative, like the gun is a cool design. Like we mentioned, the alien dog looks cool. I do like the fact that it wears a spacesuit. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of cool things about How come the, the dog didn't have to wear a spacesuit? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, now that is like a little bit of a loophole. <laughs> I mean, if this is a B-horror movie type book, I mean, that's actually kind of a fitting loophole. <laughs> to add <laughs> something that you'd be like wait why would this happen <laughs> so they're designed to hunt on other planets i guess i don't know mm-hmm. and he asked uh 
What is your favorite Christmas movie? Ooh, um... Um, I wouldn't say this is my favorite Christmas movie, but the movie that I grew up watching with my family every Christmas was Die Hard. Weirdly enough, and I, I say this this is a movie I watched as a kid, and it was just something we just watched every Christmas. And I know it's now like, oh, everybody's like, oh, I love Die Hard, and it's now kind of oversaturated. But I mean, I still really enjoy it. But favorite Christmas movie, that's a toughy um i mean the, the argument will always be out about whether or not die hard is a christmas movie I, I it's set on christmas therefore to me well it's not just that it's set on christmas it's the fact there is a lot of christmasy aspects that occur oh yeah and then, like he actually uses christmasy things and now i have a machine gun ho 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 for me it's it's not a christmas movie because it's not a, the movie's not about christmas but it hap- it's a, if it's a Christmas movie, if it's a movie you that is part of your Christmas traditions, then go for it. That's fine. That's great. I can understand people saying it's not a Christmas movie. Totally understandable. It's just a movie set on Christmas. Yeah, that that's all up for debate, so I'm okay with that. Um, in terms of a Christmas movie, I do still try to watch um, Up at Christmas Carol. I really do enjoy that version of A Christmas Carol. I was going to say, I was trying to think of one that... I've watched consistently, and uh, besides a lot of the Rankin-Bass ones, I wouldn't consider them my favorites. They just have a childhood connection. Yeah. But Muppet Christmas Carol is, like, consistently, like, every time I watch it, like, you know, this is, this is good. This is a good adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Same with Scrooge. Scrooge I actually do enjoy as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I any any adaptation of A Christmas Carol is up there. I love A Christmas Carol. There's one animated version of that, uh, that I believe, I don't remember who put it together, but it was the first time I ever saw A Christmas Carol when I was a kid. And uh, I used to have a VHS of it. Um, it's on YouTube. I could link to it. But it was from like the 80s, like the, like the late 80s. I, think, I might have shown you it once. I think I know about this. Yeah, yeah, but it was my introduction to it. And I, when I think of A Christmas Carol, before any other version of A Christmas Carol, my mind immediately goes to that version. Because that was the very first Christmas Carol anything I ever saw. I'm sure there's, I could be more detailed about it, but I cannot for the life of me tell you. I know a lot of Christmas Carol adaptations do this, but it made heavy use of the music of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen all through it, like all through it, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. And I know people associate those that with A Christmas Carol anyway, but to me, that's what cemented it. What about you, Sade? I, I'm not really a big Christmas person, so I don't really have like... I was trying to think of like, okay, what do I watch around Christmas? I don't really do Christmas movies. Um, I have a couple like Christmas horror movies that I do like. Rare Exports is one that I'll, I've watched a few times. I liked the Krampus movie. Krampus is really good. Um, oh yeah, Krampus was fun. Are Are we gonna watch that Santa Claus movie with David Harbour? Violet Night. Yes. Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> I'm excited for that. I want I want to enjoy that one and add it to my my tiny roster of things I can watch around Christmas. Um, for me, like Nightmare Before Christmas is more of a Christmas movie than a Halloween movie for me. So sometimes I'll watch that. Agreed. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I do have a favorite Christmas movie, it's gonna be that animated nutcracker so Hell let's wrap yeah. this up and discuss <laughs> i want to figure out which one we're talking about yeah but, but we'll do that later <laughs> i this isn't a favorite christmas movie but david and i have have made a christmas tradition of watching a, one of those hallmark holiday movies and 
having a drinking game with it. <laughs> yeah. That's I promise mm-hmm. you these rules are good enough that you will get fucking plastered by just watching <laughs> one movie. We haven't done it this year yet. The last time we did it was on the winter solstice. Yeah, we usually wait until, like, I'm on break, so that way it's like, okay, I, I'm done with work for, like, a, co- a couple weeks. Uh, I work at a school, so I get the I get the long winter vacation. Yeah. Oh, 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 Tokyo Godfathers. <gasps> yes. Oh, shit. That is, that is, that's my Christmas movie. That I is 1,000% a Christmas movie. I don't watch movie. it every single year, but if, it, if I remember it, I'm like, oh, I have to hit that movie. I, this. I've never seen Tokyo Godfathers. We should watch Tokyo well, Godfathers. Let's get on it. <laughs> we should watch Tokyo Godfathers. I feel like this has now become more of a episode about Christmas rather than... We haven't really done a Christmas episode of Darkly Lit. <laughs> which which is interesting because... Uh, Bringer, Bringer brought up a really good prompt. That's part of it. Yeah. And Dan, Dan too. That was completely unrelated to the book. <laughs> I mean, the book itself is inspired by B-horror movies. You can absolutely tell. Uh-huh. I, ha- I have no doubt also that Twilight Zone episode helped inspire that book. There's like quite a few similarities that I like. Mm. If he hasn't seen it, I'd be surprised. I do like the fact that also it is set during Christmas time. I don't think this is a Christmas book. Mm-hmm. But having the Christmas setting does make the story a bit more interesting, and does raise the stakes a little bit too, because you it, it makes you feel for these people. Not only are they stuck in a diner during a snowstorm, they're it's during Christmas and they can't see their families, and it's like, oh, Christmas is enough of the trappings of it, and Christmas is enough of the reason that they're there that I would qualify it as a Christmas B horror. Yeah. Any final thoughts or? I want to do some detective work and figure out if we're all on the same nutcracker page now. <laughs> no, I got nothing. Yeah, Sorry. I think Sorry. I'm ready. I'm ready to go drink some eggnog. So Darkly Lit will return for 2023. And our next book um, is something a bit, I guess, familiar to us. But apparently two out of three of us have not read it. Uh, the book version, which I'm kind of surprised with, especially with David. But mm-hmm. we will be reading Coraline by Neil Gaiman. I've read the book before. It's been a very long while. I read it before the movie came out. So it's been a good 15 years. So <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to read it again. But I do remember it being really creepy. So Well, it's Neil Gaiman. He's one of my favorite authors. So I'm absolutely down to finally like read it. Mm-hmm. Again, shocked you've never read it before. I read a lot of his other... I've read like most of his other stuff. Mm-hmm. but not Coraline for some reason. It just hasn't crossed my path yet. Have we read a Neil Gaiman novel before this for Darkly Lit? No, we've never read any of his books. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> if you like what you hear, uh, please check out our other podcasts on the Creative Horror Network at creativehorror.com, or you could check us out on our YouTube page at Creative Horror. You could check out our other podcasts like Undercooked Analysis or the Jameson Tapes, as well as some older episodes of Midnight Marinara and The Witching Hour. If I may. Yes. There's a new episode of Midnight Marinara that came out at, on Halloween. And uh, it'd be perfect for New Year's Eve or New Year's Day if you haven't heard it already. Also about a bunch of eclectic strangers trapped in a uh, small environment dealing with the unknown and being picked off one by one. So, oh, hey, yeah, it is. Because mm-hmm. when you were set, talking about the, the vibe of that earlier, I was sitting here going, yeah, we did that. <laughs> yeah, we, we did do that. We did that together. <laughs> 
Yeah, the episode was actually a collaborative uh, writing process between um, everyone on the Creative Horror Network. So, and I think it turned out very well. So, I, w- I would recommend checking it if, out. Yeah, if you haven't listened to it, please. This is like one I'm really proud of. I think we're all really proud of uh, for what we put into it. Yeah, uh, it's called Hell or High Noon. Okay, and then also, if we, if I'm gonna throw another quick plug, um, we will hopefully be doing a uh, end of the year live stream uh we're still working out the details so if that um works out keep your eyes on our twitter uh creative horror for details there if for some reason that i cannot fathom (laughs) twitter is suddenly gone there is a mailing list link on the creative horror website creativehorror.com um that will is just a backup resource for once we are situated on whatever social media, we will put out information there. That is purely the only reason for that mailing list is if people need to find us and Twitter's gone. <laughs> well, until then, uh, happy holidays and be safe out there. If any of you end up in a snowstorm, keep your eye out for aliens, I guess. Make sure you have some supplies other than just a bunch of mushrooms, too. Yeah, that was also... A, uh, let me bring that up. A plate of mushrooms from a diner? Really? Yes. Interesting. (laughs) Anyway, look, it's snowing! Yay! Let's go play in the snow. Good evening, intrepid listeners. This is the Pasta Shade, the host of Midnight Marinara, and this podcast is part of creativehorror.com a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at creativehorror.com. <laughs>